Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Arise to Truth. My name is Wesley Simons, and I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ in Elizabethan, Tennessee. And I'm Eddie Kraft. I'm the co-director of the Tri-City School of Preaching, Christian Development, here in beautiful Elizabethan, Tennessee. And I'm Jeff Johnson, the dean of students of the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development. And I'm Michael Jordan. I'm the dean of media for the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development. Great to have these men with us. Great to have you with us. If you are where you can, please go get your Bible, pencil, and paper, and for the next one hour study with us the greatest of all books the inspired inerrant perfect will of god now as you go to get that bible pencil and paper stop by that telephone call a friend a loved one tell them that the arise to truth radio program is on the air if you're local we're 690 on your am dial if you're out of town out of state out of country just get on the internet, type in arisetotruth.com. When our web page comes up, click on the banner that says listen live here. You got us. And you can hear us and participate in the program anywhere upon the face of God's green earth. Now, we want you to be a part of our program. Now, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7. Well, Wesley, why are you going to be looking at that? Well, If somebody calls in and says, I was saved by standing on a table, and we say, no, that can't be true because that's not what the Bible says, then someone will say, well, the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. Now, that's what the Word of God says. You mean to tell me we're going to have to let that man believe error, go to hell because he believes error, Because somebody misunderstands Matthew chapter 7. If somebody calls in here and says there is no God, shall we leave it alone and not say anything about it? Because after all, according to some, we're not to judge. Well, they criticize us for judging. What are they doing, ladies and gentlemen? They're judging. We've had people call this program and say, Wesley, you know what I don't like about a rise to truth? I said, well, what's that? Well, you're always judging people, and judging people's wrong, and you ought not be doing that. Well, what are they doing? I said, what are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm telling you what the Bible says. Well, what in the world does he think we're trying to do? Trying to tell people what the Bible says. We've had atheists call here before. We've taken them on. We've had people call here trying to belittle the Son of God. We've taken them on. We've had people call here trying to belittle or email us trying to belittle the concept of pattern theology. We've taken them on. Why? Because we love them. Not because we're trying to be mean or unkind. Now let me read some verses to you. Judge not that you be not judged. This is Matthew 7 beginning with verse 1. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye? Now watch it. What kind of judging is this? Thou hypocrite! First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote. Out of thy brother's eye. What's being condemned here is hypocritical judging. Let's say Eddie drinks whiskey, and I tell people, and even Eddie, that is wrong. I can't believe you do that when I'm a drunk. God says, Wesley, straighten up your own life. And then you can see clearly to tell Eddie he ought not be judging. Eddie, is there any kind of judging at all that's right based on Scripture? There sure is, Wesley. In the book of John, chapter 7, that makes it easy to remember because you got Matthew 7 and John 7. That's right. Don't go through that uh, Barney 5 method of memorizing. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's <laughs> It'll mess you up every time. That's right. But in uh, Matthew 7, 1, it says, judge not. And then also in John 7, verse 24, it says, judge not. But now watch the judge not of John seven twenty four. Judge not according to appearance. But now watch this, and this is very important. But judge righteous judgment. 
Now, Wesley, judge righteous judgment. You're, that's not a good suggestion. That's a command. That's right. You, me, Mike, Jeff must all judge. But we've got to judge righteous judgment. Now, the, like you said so beautifully, the judging that's condemned in Matthew 7, if you take the context, is hypocritical judging. Now, that's the same kind of judging that goes on in chapter 2 of the book of Romans, Wesley, that was also condemned. I know you have written a book and are writing, are writing a book now on uh, Romans. And in Romans chapter 2, you deal with the same thing you've got in Matthew 7. That's right. Notice there he says uh, in this 7th chapter, verse 2, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and verse 2 of Romans, but uh, we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgeth them that do such things, and doest the same, thou shalt escape the judgment of God. So here he says, they were judging hypocritically. They were judging somebody for committing adultery, and they themselves were committing adultery. Right. They were judging someone for lying, and they themselves were lying. Well, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, you don't judge that way. Get the beam out of your own eye. Get your own life straightened up. Get that sin out of your life. Then you can see clearly to judge. Wesley, if I've got, and the contrast of seven Matthew 7, is the idea of someone's got a big beam in their own eye, and they're trying to cast a mote out of their brother's eye. Well, let me tell you something. If I get a mote in my eye, you better know I'm going to try to get somebody to help me get it out. Yeah. I want it out. Right. But I, I don't want a guy trying to take it out. He's got a telephone pole in his own eye. That's right. Get someone that's able to do it. And so we want the splinter out. God wants the splinter out. He wants the mote out of the eye. And that's why he says if you get the beam out of yours, you'll see clearly then to help a brother. It's not about don't worry about the splinter in his eye. If he's got one in his eye, mote, he wants it out. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen. You remember when uh, Moses sent the spies into the promised land? And two of them went to the house of Rahab the harlot. What if the rumor would have been started? Well, we know why they went to the house of Rahab the harlot. Rather than going over and doing what Moses wanted them to do, they stopped off at the home of a prostitute. Now, that's what they did. See, that is unrighteous judgment. That's right. And people have got to understand that. My car breaks down in front of a beer joint, and I've got to go in and call a wrecker from the beer joint, and I come out, and somebody sees me coming out, and they say, well, there's the preacher. He's drinking. I always suspected that rascal was no good. Now, see, that's unrighteous judgment, Jeff, and we don't want to be involved in that. Yeah, that, uh, that just reminded me, Wesley, I knew of a, an instance where that happened one time. Um, a preacher's car broke down. And uh, he had coasted into a, um, a place that sold beer, a liquor store. Went in to call the phone, uh, use the phone to call a record to pick him up. And just so happens one of the members come by, saw his car there, called the elder and said, I saw our preacher down at the liquor store. And uh, so he got a visit a couple of days later uh, by the elders. And uh, he said, well, that's okay, I, I'll take care of this. Now this is you know we don't handle situations like this, but yep. but what he did he uh, he said I'll handle this. Don't worry about it. And so that night, late at night, he took his car. Once he got it back, he took his car and he parked it in that lady's driveway and he walked back home. So <laughs> the whole point was somebody comes by and sees his car there. Well, he's been in her house all night. Yeah, you know, and uh, but you know we don't want to do things like that. But but that ended all the gossip and the wrong judging. But we also notice I always like to ask the question. In regards to this chapter, what are the main points of the chapter? Well, we see from verses 1 through 12 that righteousness with respect to man's relation to man, and then from 15 to 29, the exhortation to, to enter the kingdom. But what sort of judging is Jesus warning against? And like Eddie said before, not all judging uh, it's, um, is wrong, but it's that of hypocritical uh, judging. Jeff, we yeah. couldn't have got to the studio today without making a number of judgments. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and I've never understood why it seems like it makes somebody mad if you try to help them go to heaven and point out a fault. But if you commend them, I've never had anybody say, if I pat them on the back and say, boy, that's a great lesson. Don't judge me. Yeah. Judge not that you be not judged. They just don't want you judging them yeah. if it's uh, you're trying to help them really overcome something. Ed, and think of all the Bible doctrines that necessitates judging. For instance, church discipline. 
Right. You cannot practice church discipline without making a judgment. And when you read 1 Corinthians 5, the last few verses, it says to make those judgments. Right. Now, we're going to go through Matthew 7, verse by verse, and show that you couldn't even practice Matthew 7 if you listen to these people say, well, you can't judge. Because verse 6 says, give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast you your pearls before swine, lest they trample you under their feet and turn again and rend you. Well, number one, I've got to make a judgment on what is holy. Is that the Koran? Is that the Book of Mormon? The sayings of the Pope? Are the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God? Well, see, it's talking about the Word of God. Under dogs. Now I've got to make a decision on who the dogs are. Those who have no respect for the Word of God, like Madeline Murray O'Hare. No respect at all for the Word of God. And preachers that will not respect what the Word of God says, they'll add to or take from it. So the Bible says there's a time when you've got to dust your feet off and move on. Well, wait a minute, Lord. You said if they don't receive the Word, do what? Dust your feet off. Well, wait a minute. I've got to make a judgment on whether or not they will or will not receive the Word of God. So, fellas, we can't even practice this verse. Without making a judgment. Yeah, and Wesley, the dogs and swine are not literal dogs and swine. Those are terms used to refer to some individual. That's right. Some human being. And so, again, can you imagine if you called someone in a congregation nothing more than a swine or a dog? Why, you'd have an uproar and a fight on your hands, and yet somebody would have jumped up and said, don't you know you're not supposed to be judging? And uh, that's the worst kind of judging you could do is call somebody a dog or a swine. Mm -hmm. No, the Lord's trying to get them to see exactly what they are so that they would repent of the dilemma they're in. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, if you note the immediate context, which reveals that in some cases, proper judgment, it has to be made. Mm -hmm. And uh, Matthew 7, 6 implies judgment is to be made as to who are dogs and who are hogs. You know, otherwise, how can we know when not to give that which is holy to dogs? and uh, Or how can we know when to cast our pearls before swine? So the proper judgment has to be made. I was talking to a couple once that was in an unscriptural marriage, and uh, there was no elders at the congregation at the time. And, and uh, some of the men come to me and said, you know, you can't be doing this because you're judging them. Well, it was a righteous judgment. You're trying to talk to them to get them out of the sin that they're in. And so there's always the proper time and with the proper judgment because you want to get people, you know, to, to get out of the sin. That's right. You know, when you come to Matthew 7, 7 through 12, now watch these verses. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and that shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that asked him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, let's go back to this concept of asked. Who? To whom are we going to pray? Muhammad? Uh, Allah? The Virgin Mary? A saint? To God? To whom are we going to pray? Here it says, ask. And we got to make a decision on who we're going to pray to. Now notice, and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knocking it shall be opened unto you. Now watch this, for everyone that asketh receiveth. Well, is that right? Then I want a million bucks. I'm going to ask and I'm going to receive. I want a brand new Cadillac. I want a huge home, a mansion with swimming pool, servants' quarters, and a bunch of servants. No, you got to ask in harmony with God's will. And if you don't do that, you're not going to receive. Well, we've had people build doctrines on the concept that two or three can get together and they call it uh, and agree on one thing. They get 
mm-hmm. just automatically. It don't matter what they ask for. That's right. And uh, so you look at the Bible, though. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does teach that we ask. Matter of fact, James said, "If you don't, re- you don't receive because you don't ask." But then he turned right around and said, "But then you ask and you ask amiss. What if someone ask amiss?" According to James, he still doesn't receive the things that he uh, is asking for because of the reason he is asking for it. And so sometimes we take verses, as Jeff said, from their context, and instead of looking at the context where they are found. So when he's talking about asking you shall receive, that is you presupposing you're asking according to the will of God. Jesus asked, didn't he? Three times for the thorn of uh, for the, the Garden of Gethsemane, that if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You know what God said? No. Paul prayed that the thorn in the flesh be removed. Prayed three times. Was it removed? No. Well, why? Because those things were not asked in accordance to God's will. It was not God's will, and God's Son, and of course. The Apostle Paul realized if we ask anything in his name according to his will, he will hear us. I'm grateful, fellas, that God don't answer all of my prayers, yes. Well, there's no telling what kind of mess I'd be in today if he had. That's right. Some things God knows it's not good for us, and he says no to us. It's not because he doesn't love us. Now, God answers every prayer. He answers it by saying yes, or he may answer it by saying no, or he may just answer it by saying wait a while. And we don't always like his answers, but we know one thing for sure, that if we ask, and it's in accordance to his will, him will hear us. We can also be assured, fellas, that if we ask and we're not faithful to God, he will not hear us. How do I know that? Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers abomination, Solomon said, And you see that in Isaiah 59, so beautifully, verses 1 and 2, when he said, Your sin and iniquity have separated between you and your God. They've hid his face from you, and he will not hear. John 9, 31, we know God heareth not sinners. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't hear them. He hears everything, sees everything. He he would have to see and hear it to know that it's a sinner doing the praying, and he wasn't going to answer it. To hear there means he's not going to answer that man's prayer. Wesley, that alone, and Jeff, does away with what's called the sinner's prayer. That's right. Some people God will not hear. Those that are faithful, uh, those that are children of God but are not faithful, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Those that are sinners, like an alien sinner trying to pray for his sins to be forgiven, God will not hear him either. Jeff, you got a comment? No, sir. All right. Now, let's look at uh, verse number 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Well, now I've got to make a judgment on how I want to be treated. It says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you. Well, Wesley, what do you want them to do to you? And I've got to make up my mind and make judgments on that. That's right. Well, if you do that, what do you do? Do ye even so to them? Now I've got to make a judgment that I share the same kind of blessings that I've received from others to the people round about me and the things that I want and the things that are right and are wholesome. And so then I've got to make a judgment on that, how I'm going to treat people. I've got to make a judgment on how I'm going to treat my wife. Uh, if I go home and she's done something I don't like, am I going to throw her over the banister on the back porch? Is that what I'm going to do? Is that the way I'd want to be treated? If I did something she didn't like, would I want her throwing me over the banister on the back porch? No, see, we got to make judgments. If the next door neighbor does something I'm not really pleased with, how do I treat him? Well, the way I'd want him to treat me if I did something he wasn't pleased with. See, so judgments in that area, fellas, must be made. Wesley, could you think of uh, a chapter in the Bible that encourages and stresses judging more than Matthew 7? Not a, not a one. That's amazing, isn't it? Because the very chapter that 
most people will use to say you can't judge it all, from the very get-go of it, stresses we've got to make good judgments. That's right. You know, I was thinking of your dad when I was uh, listening to you, Ed. Your dad bought a piece of property next to your home across on Bell Avenue, and there was a lady who owned a piece of property that adjoined that. Well, every year or two, she had put up a new fence. And that was unusual. I mean, why put up a new fence? Well, she had moved it about six inches over on your dad's property every time she put it up. I remember it well. So she was gaining land, so she thought. But you see, she wouldn't want to be treated that way. But she didn't mind treating your daddy that way. And that's just as wrong as it could be. You know, Wes, I was thinking uh, here about First Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, beginning around verse nine, uh, 9 through 13, talking about the young man who had his father's wife. Mm-hmm. And I think about judgment and thinking about the church there. You know, what was the church doing at the time? They were basically overlooking it, yeah. le- allowing and, it to happen. And that was a judgment. And making the wrong judgment. Yes. That's what they were doing. But then what does Paul tell them? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's right. Get it out of there. So now when they go to correct this, what do they got to do? They got to make the proper judgment. And I believe, I don't remember the passage, but uh, isn't the case in Second Corinthians that young man ended up repenting? Uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2. Mm-hmm. So you see, in a case like that, you had a wrong judgment, then done the right judgment, and then the right end of the outcome. That's right. Yeah. And that's good. It sure is. So we got to make a judgment on how we want to be treated. Ooh, the next two we might ought to skip. Verses 13 and 14. No, we can't skip them. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, I want you to notice the judgments here I've got to make. i got to make up my mind, number one, what is the straight and narrow way? i got to know what the broad way is. i got to make up my mind and make a judgment on which way I want to travel. Here the Bible saying, enter ye in at the straight gate. Well, am I going to do that? I've got to make a judgment. Maybe I like the, the pleasure of sin more than I do serving God. See, there's a judgment to be made there. But if I choose the broad way, God says that that leads to destruction. And so then I've got to make up my mind if I really won't own that road. And I've got to make a judgment, fellow, fellows, on these issues. Right, and Wesley, it can't be feelings. That's right. Because Solomon said there's a way mm-hmm. that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If I see two or three different ways and I'm thinking, hmm, which way am I going to go? If I leave it up to human ingenuity, I'm going to go the way that I like the best. I'll mm-hmm. pick me out uh, the church, you might say, of my choice. And that's, that's right. the one I'm going to want to be a member of because that's my choice. But if God don't give me a choice in that matter, he says, look, there's a broad way that leads to destruction. And that's the easy way, and many there be going there at, but there's a narrow way that leads to life eternal. I better be looking for that narrow way. That's right. Now, are we going to travel the Protestant way, the Jewish way, the Catholic way, the Muslim way, the Shinto way, the Taoist way? You know, look at all the ways there are. Now, which way are we going to travel? Which way is the way? i got to make a judgment on that's that. That's right. you got to. Yeah. And see, you used to people come to your door now, are you Catholic, Jewish, or Protestant? Well, i tell you what we are. We're none of the three. We're simply a Christian, members of the church you read about in your Bible. That's right. And that's what we're trying to get you to be. But you've got to make a judgment on it. Let me show you the judgment you made. The church you're in right now, can you read about it in your Bible? The plan of salvation you've obeyed, is it in your Bible? The way you worship, is it in your Bible? The moral code you endorse, is it in your Bible? The organization of the church you're a member of, can you read about it in your Bible? You see, you've got to make a judgment. Now, they're not in the Bible. You're going to have to make a judgment to get out of that. We had to make a judgment to get out of a man-made church. That was a judgment that had to be made because we were on the wrong way. 
Now, it may well be you're on the wrong way. You may be sincere. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many. Look at that word, many. First word in verse 22 of Matthew 7. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, cast out demons in thy name, done many wonderful works in thy name? And then will I profess unto them, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Now, friends, they were on the wrong way. And we're their friends if and only if we tell them they're traveling the wrong way. But most importantly, fellas, we got to make sure we're not traveling the wrong way. Wesley, I'm going to be going to Abingdon next Monday night and talking about why I left the Church of God of Prophecy. And I'm going to point out several things. Number one, had the wrong plan of salvation. That's right. You know, they said, come to the mourner's bench and we'll pray for it. Now, imagine this, ladies and gentlemen. Even many people that came to that mourner's bench we watched leave that we didn't believe to be saved. Yeah. Because they didn't get to pray through. They didn't get that feeling you feel when you feel a feeling you never felt before, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so they come up. They got down on their knees. People got over them. They, everybody over them prayed. The people down on their knees at the mourner's bench prayed. And they got up and left lost. Can you imagine having to beg God? To save you, and then God saying no, of people that are genuinely seeking and wanting to repent. That's right. Our Lord says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy as my burden is light. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're waiting for God to call you, you're backing up. God's already called you. Second Thessalonians 2.14, by the gospel. All he wants you to do is obey that gospel. Come to him and obey. They had the wrong plan of salvation. They had the wrong system of worship. That's right. They would just do whatever felt good. They had the wrong standard. That was feelings, not the Bible. And me and you both have said many times the Bible meant nothing to us because we wasn't taught to read the Bible or care nothing about it. We were going by the way we felt. That's right. You and I, if you remember, met with a gentleman at C Street one time for an hour or so, and he could say, boys, if you ever feel that feeling, that's all he could ever say to me. If you ever feel that feeling, Mm -hmm. then you'll know what I'm trying to tell you. Well, if we don't ever feel that feeling, whose fault is it? That's right. Certainly not our fault. If that's what you got to do to be saved, we want to feel that feeling. Mm -hmm. But, friends, we're not saved by feelings. Feelings can lead you astray. Now, I'm not saying feelings are not important. They are. But feelings are like your conscience. they got to be guided by truth. John 8, 31, 32. That's right. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's right. Yeah. I was thinking of a lady once that I studied with, and, and uh, she was a member of the church, and she ended up leaving the church and uh, went to uh, one of the ones that felt, you know, the uh, it may have been a church of God of prophecy, maybe a church of God. I don't remember the, the denomination, but... They were all on about feelings, and I talked to her, and she said this. She said, I just don't feel anything. And she said, but I feel the Spirit here. And I said, well, can you tell me what that feels like? Mm-hmm. And she described it. And I said, you know, one time I went to Six Flags, and I got on a roller coaster. So, I mean, I went there five minutes, got on a roller coaster, did these two loops. And when I got off that thing, I felt the same thing you just described. So if I want to feel that feeling, I can go to Six Flags and get that feeling. Yeah. That doesn't make it the right thing when you have feelings like that. But I think you're right, Eddie. You just can't base it upon a feeling. It must be based upon the Word. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Uh Uh-oh. The Lord tells me to beware of false prophets. He even tells me in 1 John 4, 1 and 2 to try the Spirit's Mm-hmm. to see why, uh, whether they be of God or not. Why? Because many false prophets and teachers have gone out into the world. That means when I hear somebody speak and say they're quoting the Bible and they're representing God, i got to make a judgment on that to see if they're real sheep or if they're just wearing sheep's clothing. i got to make a decision on what they're attired in. If they're working for God or they're working for Satan, when you read Second Corinthians 11, the devil comes across as a minister of light and his preachers as ministers of righteousness. My, my. 
We've had people call this program, take us on, and say, Wesley, what version you use, buddy? The good old KJB. That's what my preacher uses, so we're on the same page. No. What are we saying about the good old KJB? I've had people say, well, don't you believe you got to be born again? Yep, that's what I believe. So again, we're on the same page, you know. What is your definition of being born again? What does it mean to be born again? Is it pray the sinner's prayer? Is it faith only, grace only? What is it? We need to know. Now, the only way that I can beware of false prophets is to compare what they teach against the Word of God. Nearly everybody that calls this program will say, Wesley, I'll tell you one thing, buddy, those Mormons are wrong and those Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. Well, is that right? What makes them wrong? What makes them false prophets? Oh, well, what they're teaching is not in the Bible. Wait a minute. Now, if we're going to judge the Baptists, I mean the uh, Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses by the Word of God, let's do the Baptists that way in the Church of Christ. Let's do everybody that way. And we definitely include ourselves. We're not trying to exclude ourselves. So, fellas, we've got to beware of false prophets. Yeah, if we do, Wesley, you know what? Now, where it tells you to beware of false prophets is the same chapter it says not to judge. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, so then it means... You would not be violating Matthew 7, 1 by judging the false prophets. That's right. Because can you imagine being a false prophet and somebody that believes you're not to judge anyone comes up to you and says you're a false prophet. If it's a Jehovah's Witness, I don't care who it is. If it's Mohammed. Why, if they knew what they believed, they'd say, why are you calling me a false prophet? Don't you know that you're not to judge me? The Bible says judge not, lest you be judged. Well, there was a church at Ephesus, and John writes to them in Revelation 2. And he says this. He said, I know your works, your labor, and your patience, how you cannot not bear them which are evil. Now, watch what he says. This is very interesting. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and you found out they were liars. Friends, they could not have found out they were liars and false prophets and false apostles if you couldn't judge anyone. That's right. So, Wesley, the Bible cannot coincide. Even the very chapter they use, Matthew 7, will not coincide with their doctrine. Therefore, their doctrine has to be wrong. That's right. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you got a comment? No, sir. All right, verses 16 through 20. Watch what it says. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men... Gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Well, now I've got to make a judgment on whether or not a person's bearing good fruit, bad fruit. I've got to make that judgment about myself. If I'm out here, all I can think about is fornicating with some lady. Is that good fruit? Is that bad fruit? All I can think about is ripping somebody off and getting their money. Is that good fruit? Or is that bad fruit? All I can think about is pride and arrogance. Is that good fruit or bad fruit? See, i got to make a judgment on that. Now, look at all the doctrines that bring forth bad fruits. Once saved, always saved. How ungodly. You think about that. Once you got it, you've always got it. We've had people call here and say you can be a practicing homosexual, and if you've been born again when the rose called up yonder, you'll be on the front pew. Are you kidding me? Is that bad fruit or good fruit? Now, you know better than that. My brother, who believes once saved, always said, saved, said I could be fornicating with a lady. Her husband come in and blow my brains out, and heaven would be mine. Man, what kind of fruits were I, was I bearing? You know, and God Almighty knows. Wesley, that kind of fruit says that, say, me and you and uh, Kay and Betty are all attending the same church, and we believe once saved, always saved. 
And I see another girl that's a member of the church there, too. She's really pretty. So I decide that I'm just going to trade Betty in, and I'm going to take this beautiful younger lady. That's right. All right, I do so. Now, what is the church's attitude there going to be toward me? That places Betty in the dilemma to have to stay in the same congregation I'm in, and me having left her fornicated and moved in and took up residence with this other woman. And Betty, I'm just as well off now as I was when I was living with her. Given, once saved, always saved. It's a ridiculous doctrine, ungodly doctrine. It was taught for the first time in the Garden of Eden. When God told Adam and Eve that if you eat of that tree, you'll surely die, the devil said, oh, no, you'll not surely die. You've got it. You're not going to die spiritually. That was the first time that ungodly doctrine was taught. You know, Wesley, um, this is not the first time we see of a warning of against false teachers. Uh, Paul, on several occasions, uh, one occasion on Acts 20, he warned the Ephesian elders, you know, talking about taking heed to the flock. Uh, also to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians 11, he told them to watch out for false teachers. We also have to Timothy, um, you know, to preach the word. There's going to be come a time they have itching ears, teaching for doctrines, you know, commandments of men. First Timothy four, Second Timothy three, and even Peter uh, even warned of false teachers in Second Peter two, and John even warned it in First John four, as you mentioned, and also Jude. Uh, and, and his writing in Jude 3 and 4 warned of false teachers. And how are you going to know them all? You're going to know them by their fruits. You might, you made me think of something there, Jeff. Remember, uh, Paul withstood Peter. Oh, yeah. To the faith, uh, face in the book of Galatians, mm-hmm. chapter 2. Now, you think about that. If given you can't judge anyone, he should have never withstood Peter to mm-hmm. his face. That's right. Look at Jesus taking on the Pharisees. The Sadducees, the Herodians, Essenes, while on the face of the earth, well, he ought to have known more than anybody else. You shouldn't judge people Mm -hmm. if judging was wrong. Now, we're talking about bearing fruit. This has been brought up before. 1 Corinthians 5, the man that had his father's wife. Now, what kind of fruit's that? That is evil, ungodly fruit. If once saved, always saved is true, leave him alone. Mm But no, it's not okay. The Bible says in verse 10, well, let's start with 9 of 1 Corinthians 5, I wrote unto you in another epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, wait a minute. You tell me how you can do that and not make a judgment. Who is a fornicator? And by the way, wouldn't that burn the fornicator up if you wouldn't keep company with him? Sure it would. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must you need to go out of the world. He said, I'm not talking about people out in the world, I'm talking about members of the church, but you cannot fellowship. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an adulterer or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat i've gone to members of the body of christ home and told them now i know you got drunk everybody knows you got drunk because of the problems you cause while drunk now brother i'm here to tell you i love you and we want to help you do you need to go to a rehab? We'll help pay for it. Whatever you need, it's got to stop. And you've got to repent. And if you don't repent, we're going to stand against you because we love you. Then watch this. Verse 12. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? Wait a minute. You do what? Judge those that are within. God's already judged those that are without. They're lost. And so then when we become members of the body of Christ, then we are to make a judgment on those who are fellow members. Boy, Wesley, I got to thinking of Romans chapter 1. Yeah. Now, you're talking about bad fruit. Oh, yeah. They changed the truth of uh, the glory of God, verse 23. They changed the truth of God into a lie, verse 25. And then they changed the natural use of male and female, and male with male and female with female, doing that which is unseemingly. 
And they got in such a mess that down in the very last verse of chapter 1, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which do or commit such things are worthy of death. But now watch. They don't only do them, but they have pleasure in them that do them. Yeah. Now you're talking about bad fruit. That's some of the worst fruit I think you could read about anywhere. That's exactly right. Now, once you see that kind of ungodly fruit, are you wrong to speak out against it? Say we saw people that had changed the nature of God, changed his moral code, changed his truth, like Romans 1. Would we be their friends or their enemies if we told them you can't do that and be right in the sight of God? The Bible says three times God gave them up. He gave them up. He was not going to wrestle with them anymore because they had chosen to walk that pathway. Well, we're trying to rescue people that have made bad decisions, trying to teach them the truth, and the truth will set them free. And by the way, how can you know the truth and the truth sets you free if you don't make a judgment on what truth is? That's right. Mm -hmm. Is that the Koran, the Book of Mormon? Is it the writings of Charles Taze Russell, the sayings of the Pope? What is truth? You know, Pilate asked that question. What is truth? Well, that's a good question. And we got to make a judgment on what truth is. And we on this program, we're trying to say you own the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God as being the body of truth that everyone must believe in. Now, before we go on, gentlemen, anybody got a comment? Wesley, we're talking about judging. Judging begins with yourself. That's right. And Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 said, examine yourself. That's judging yourself to make sure that you're doing what the Bible says. That's we'll right. We'll get the call, and then we'll come back to it. Okay, I'll come back to you. Well, if I can push the right button. Rise to truth, you on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I have been to several congregations that, uh, that claim to be uh, congregations of the Lord, and I have never seen but two or three of them that actually practice uh, church discipline. Uh, there was one congregation in Louisville, Kentucky. There was a man who uh, took another man's wife and broke up both of their marriages. And one of the elders just, you know, got in front of the congregation and said, uh, we can no longer have fellowship with you. Uh, you know, we've got these letters you've written and... You have admitted having, having an adulterous affair with another man's wife, and, you know, you're welcome to come study the Bible with us, but you cannot have an active participation in the worship service till you repent. And there was another one in Smyrna, Tennessee, that I went to, and uh, there was a man that said, well, it's okay to lie if you're in business, because that, that helps your business, that promotes your business. And the elders told him, said, well, you know, all liars will have their place in the lake of fire until you repent. We can't fellowship you. You know, you're welcome to come and listen to the Bible and all, but we can't let you have an active participation in the worship service until you straighten up and repent. And that's about the only two congregations I've ever been to that actually I saw church discipline practice. So usually the congregations say, well, that's okay. You know, come over here and you can worship with us, and we'll we'll accept you anyway. Now you need to do something about that, but if you don't, well, well you can go ahead and worship with us. And that's just not the way. You know, people don't have a reason to repent whenever they're they're treated like that. They're, you know, they can go ahead and worship, and they can live in sin. And uh, you know, like I say, there's only two congregations I've ever seen that have uh, practiced church discipline, and I I guess that's about all I got to say. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Well, I'd like to say he's wrong, but he's right. There's a lot of congregations of God's people that don't have the backbone to practice church discipline. Now, we at Stony Creek do. Rome Mountain just withdrew from some. I think C Street practices church discipline. They do. And there's a few churches around that will do what God says do. Well, if we're going to be God's people, 
we're got to, we got to make a judgment, fellas, on whether or not we're going to practice what's in the Bible. Right. Right. Wesley, I think one of the biggest things in, around in the church now is that there's this um, idea that, well, if members leave, then they have withdrew themselves from us. Well, that's baloney. Yeah, it's baloney. I mean, that's that. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we are to go out and restore such a one with a spirit of meekness, and yet they have a thinking that, well, they withdrew themselves, so we don't have to go. Well, we do have to go. Yeah, you know, Galatians six one, ye which are spiritual, if you see a brother overtaken mm-hmm. in a fault, you got to make a judgment on whether he's a brother and whether he's really overtaken in a fault. Mm-hmm. Then you go work on him, trying to restore him in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Yeah. See, judging yourself, lest thou also be tempted. Because mm-hmm. if the congregation here is going to let uh, a person by with getting drunk, why can't I do it? See, that's that's going to be the problem. Arise the truth on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello? Hello? All right. Apparently, the person did not want to talk because I think we got him on the air. It's that last caller. If by accident somehow we push the wrong button, if they'll call back, we'll get them on the air. But you're right, Jeff. Uh, there's too many churches that's got the attitude, well, they've withdrawn from us. We don't have to do anything. Give me Bible authority for that. Mm-hmm. Where a person can withdraw from God. There's no Bible authority for that. If a person walks disorderly, the Bible says we're to withdraw fellowship from them. That's love. Mm-hmm. You know, John said, Wesley, showing you what happens in those cases, he said he acknowledges there were some that were not of us that went out from us. Mm-hmm. What is he doing? He's marking them right mm-hmm. there. These are the people that went out from us because they were not of us. Right. And so, therefore, that shows that. And we don't want to make this convenient for somebody that wants to become a sinner and live in sin. What if the guy had his father's wife said, Honey, let's just pack our bags and leave, and then they can't withdraw from us. Yeah, we'll go to another mm-hmm. congregation, or we'll do whatever. Yeah, well, that would—they could have done that, but they still. There's no congregation going to take you in that's going to justify an unscriptural relationship. But it makes it easier to not have to deal mm-hmm. with these people. But we still have to deal with them. You know, it may be the case, Wesley. Also, there may be a brother walking disorderly. Of course, walking disorderly doesn't necessarily mean an unscriptural marriage. It could be a gossiper, a backbiter, or a tailbearer. I mean, just be, could just be a troublemaker. And it could be the point that um, we may hear something like this. Well, if we if we try to discipline them, we're just going to cause more problems. Let me tell you something. If you don't discipline them, <laughs> you're going to have more problems. That's oh, sure. that's a, a whole lot more problems. That's right. That's um, right. So, yeah, you, you need, the discipline needs to be taking place. There's a, there's a reason for it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if we don't, we encourage people to do wrong. Now, Wesley, uh, Michael will get back to him, but he made a good point a while ago that this starts with our – you're a good uh, man, Michael. Every time we mention you, the phone rings. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Arise the truth. you on the air. Go ahead, please. Well, uh, I do have a small comment. Uh, you know, my Bible says that there's some that's going to have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And it could not being able to come to the truth. If we can't have the uh, come to the truth in, in the gospel of Christ, we're not going to get along in any church we go to. Yeah. Uh, if right. we're in disagreement with him, we can't walk with him. We'll be just like Paul. We'll be walking the road thinking we're in agreement, but we're in denial. That's, it, that's if exactly we, right. If we agreement in the gospel, we can't walk together. Yeah. That's all I've got. Okay, thanks, sir. Bye. Amos said, can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3, 3, talking about Israel, how can you walk with me if you're not going to agree with what I say? I think we were trying to get a phone call while that gentleman was on the air. So if you'll try again, we'll be glad to put you on the air. If the line's busy, call back. Call back. That's right. Michael? I'm, I'm afraid to start talking. The phone start ringing again. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. That's all right. We appreciate our callers. Yes, we do. I was mentioning that it comes, judging starts with us. Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five, uh, but yet judging, looking into the mirror, James chapter one, starting with us. That's right. That's it. Arise to truth on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, brother Wesley. Uh, God bless you. But uh, if a pastor marries a sister in a congregation, pastor's wife be dead. He marries a sister, and there's got two living husbands. Uh, 
and he marries her. Can he repent and they still stay married together? Okay, now let me make sure I understand the situation. All right, the preacher's wife died, right? Yep. Yes. Has the woman ever been married before? Married two times. Okay. They've got two living husbands, and she was a sister there and sat under him. Okay. Now, it depends on why she's divorced. If she didn't put her mate away for the cause of fornication, both of them, and she marries anybody, not just a preacher, she's living in adultery. Matthew 19.9, Matthew 5.32. Okay. Now, if, if she put both of those husbands away for the cause of fornication and she was an innocent party, she's free to remarry. And since the preacher's wife died, he'd be free to remarry. So they could marry and could stay together, and he wouldn't need to repent of anything, neither would she. Well, what if it happened the other way? Okay, if it, when you say the other way, in other words, uh, that she did not put her mate away for the cause of fornication? That's right. She okay. was in sin when she married him. Yeah. All right. Then, if she married the preacher and didn't put her mates away for the cause of fornication, that she's in sin and she's got to come out of that marriage. Okay. Well, he in sin too? Yes, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Give me, give me a scripture on that, will you? Okay. Matthew 19. I'll hang up. I'll hang up, though, so you ain't got much time there. Okay. Give me a few scriptures on that. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right, gentlemen. So one of you get Matthew 19, 9. The other get Matthew 5, 32. Matthew 19, 9. You get that one, Jeff. All right. And Matthew 5, 32. Okay. You can do 5.32. 5.32, Wesley, Matthew 5, verse 32 says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whoso marrieth her that is put aw- that is divorced, committeth adultery. In Matthew 19.9, I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her... Which is put away, doth commit adultery. That's Matthew 19.9. Now, let me tell you something. I want to say this to that gentleman. What's sad, most religious groups have given up on the truth of Matthew 19.9, Matthew 5.32. They'll let people divorce and remarry, divorce and remarry, divorce and remarry, and it makes no difference. Uh, We're talking about church discipline. We withdrew from a lady here because she divorced her husband unscripturally, and we withdrew from her. Now, we love her. That's the reason we did it. And we care about souls. And if you come here, you've been divorced, and we know about it, we're going to ask you why you were divorced. Oh, well, I just couldn't get along with my husband. So you're remarried, yeah? Well, then you're living in adultery. We've had to tell people here you're living in adultery. And if you're living in adultery, you either come out of it or you're going to be lost one way or the other. So I know that's a tough commandment, and it's very tough, but it's truth. That's right. Now, you talk about flagging people in. When some churches take a stand for that which is right, lo and behold, other churches will take in the fornicator, and that's as wrong as it can be. That's right, Wesley. Well, that old clock has caught us, and we do appreciate you being with us each Tuesday and Thursday. If you will hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of your sins, the Lord will add you to his church, his kingdom, his body, and by the way, his bride. Isn't that beautiful? And then if you'll be faithful and live for him, dedicated, putting him first in your life when the role is called up yonder, you'll be there. We hope that you'll make that choice. If we can help, let us know. May God richly bless you as you continue to study the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God.